Oh, Father, we come to this portion of our service of worship. Lord, we have sung songs to you. We have read your word. We have given back a portion of what you have blessed us with. Lord, we seek to worship you now through the reading, through the teaching, through the proclamation of your holy word. And even now, Father, as I stand here, I know that I am unworthy and I know that I am unable. So, God, would you move me out of your way? Lord, would you speak in spite of a foolish and frail servant? God, we ask that you would use your word to teach us, to grow us, to help us mature in our faith. Lord, we ask that you would convict us where we need conviction. Comfort us where we need help and healing. Encourage us where we are downcast. Build up your church, Lord, through the reading and teaching and proclamation of your word. And may you be glorified in all that is said and all that is done this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, God, our Father in heaven, we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to take it once again and turn with me to Psalm 23. If you don't happen to have a Bible with you this morning, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't have one at home, feel free to take one of those with you and just let that be our gift to you. Um, If you happen to be tuning in online and you don't have a Bible, send us an email, office at bethanyandalusia.com, and we will send you a Bible if you need one. No problem. We would love to be a blessing to you in that way. But if you have a Bible on your phone, on tablet, or a book, however you may be following along, I encourage once again, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. As we look once again at this familiar and powerful chapter of Scripture. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we come back to Psalm 23, I want to just encourage you once again. I know that for many of us, this may be extremely familiar territory, but I I encourage us to look once again with fresh eyes. A a lot of the insights that we will continue to draw from this morning uh, come out of a book by Philip Keller, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And so we are trying to investigate David's intentions as a shepherd writing the 23rd Psalm about the good shepherd. So we start off with the Lord is my shepherd, as we talked about. We belong to the Lord. We are his sheep. We are his 
property. So many times we get caught up in we're set free in Christ, which is true, which God has freed us from the bondage of sin, which is true. But a lot of times we're so independent and so individualized that we forget to remember that we belong to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, even as we read that, David himself was hiding in caves at many points in his life, fearful for his life. So this is not a phrase that means I'll have every material possession I ever want. I will always be fed. I will never go hungry. I will never go thirsty. No, this phrase means that we will never lack the expert care and management of our master. We will never lack the expert care and management of our master. We shall not want. Then last week we looked at he makes me lie down in green pastures and talked about how you don't make the sheep lie down. You have to create the conditions in which a sheep will lie down. And so there are four requirements that must be met. The sheep must be free from all fear, from all friction with other sheep, from flies, pests, and parasites, And from hunger, we talked about how the good shepherd creates that environment where we can lie down and rest. He leads me beside still waters. We talked about how if we feast on his word, if we wake up in the morning and make it a priority, some seasons of the year, sheep don't need to go to a watering hole because the dew is so thick on the grass that it nourishes them and gives them all the water that they need for the day. In the same way, if we wake up each morning, we will find fresh manna in God's Word given to us by God's Holy Spirit. And we have to be patient as He is leading us to the clean, still waters and not stop and be distracted by the things of this world that will lead us to muddy puddles that are filthy, contaminated water that could lead to our own destruction. So, this morning we come now to the phrase, He restores my soul. It was a very specific reason Psalm 42 was so fitting to begin our service this morning, but God restores our soul. This ties back to I shall not want, right? If I shall not want, why would my soul ever need to be restored? If I shall not lack any material possession or anything that I want, Why would my soul ever be cast down? Why would my soul ever be in a place that I need to be restored? Well, there's an interesting connection here between what old English shepherds would say if a sheep was stuck on their back like a turtle. And they would call a sheep that stuck on their back a cast sheep. So it ties in quite nicely with Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. We have a Lord who will provide expert care and management. It doesn't mean that we will have everything that we want. Sometimes the circumstances of life outside of material possessions, outside of food and water, there is emotional strife, there is mental strife, there are relational strifes. There are times when our lives and our souls are cast down and need restoration. The cool thing is, if a sheep is cast, it is a dire emergency for the shepherd. So what normally happens, you might be thinking, how does a sheep get on its back and get stuck 
on its back. Well, this mostly happens to pregnant sheep. So it's a dire situation because you could lose the mother sheep and all of the ewes, the lambs that the mother sheep is carrying. But what will happen is when all four of those conditions are met, that mother sheep is well fed. She's happy. Everything's good there. There's no friction within the flock. She ain't worried about none of the old, you know, ornery rams coming and butting her out of the way. She's she's happy within the flock. She's free from all fear. The shepherd's in the midst of the flock. Everything's good. Life is good. There's no pests. There's no parasites. There's no flies. That mama sheep, she'll just get real nice and relaxed, and she's just going to lay down on her hands, and she's going to get on her belly. And then she's going to be pregnant, and that's going to be pushing them lambs all up in her, right? And that ain't the most comfortable way to lay, so she's trying to get some relief. So she rolls over on her side. Oh, man, this is nice. And she's over here on her side, and boy, it's good, and she rocks back and forth. Let me rock to the other side. Here we go. Oh, didn't make it. And now here they are, and they can't get up because they, they can't get enough momentum. And it's dangerous. They lay like this, they're going to die. They're just going to die, y'all. Now, look, I know what every man in this room is thinking. Husbands, I want you to hold still. Do not move. Every husband who has children and has had a wife who was pregnant has been with their wife when they were great with child and they got up in the morning and their wife was struggling to get out of bed. I want, husbands, your elbow cannot go into your wife as you watch me lie down on the floor as a cast sheep. That is inappropriate, and I promise you will suffer greatly later, husbands. You with me? All right? This is not a comparison between a pregnant sheep and a pregnant woman, even though we are the sheep. I get it. Analogies always break down. Right, ladies? Amen? Okay, well, close enough. So, the shepherd has to watch constantly. I know that that may seem silly, but that happens in shepherding, and that sheep is referred to as a cast sheep that needs restoration. And so the shepherd has to watch ever so closely because if a sheep, especially one that is pregnant, is laying on her back too long, she will die just from poor circulation and other complications. Also, now as the flock moves, that one sheep is left stranded. And so all of the predators know that's an easy filling meal. And so constantly the shepherd has to be watching the sheep, especially the sheep that are pregnant, because there are plenty of times where they may become cast and tumped upside down. Have you ever been in a place in life where you just kind of feel tumped upside down? Like you drive by a turtle that's stuck on the road and it hadn't been hit yet, but it's stuck on its back. And as that turtle spins, when the wind whips around it, you kind of think, golly, that's about how I feel right now. Isn't it strange how even though we shall not want, there are plenty of times in our life where we find ourselves cast like a sheep, tumped upside down. The world isn't right. We're vulnerable to predators. And if we stay that way, we're liable to fall into a pit of despair that we may not climb back out of. Folks, fortunately, we have a good shepherd who is always willing to restore our very souls. But sometimes we just lay there on our back and we don't call out and we don't let them know. And in the midst of the flock, it could be easy to not see a cast sheep, especially if they're not calling out to the shepherd. Sheep stuck on his back is going to go, ah, ah, ah. 
And sometimes it may sound like that, but we've got to call out and say, God, why is my soul cast down? But look at the end of the psalm. I will hope in God. I will again praise Him because He is my salvation. He is the one who is going to come and restore my soul. So if this morning you're tumped upside down, I want you to remember to call out to the Good Shepherd. The world may be flipped on its head right now and you can't get up. No matter what you do, you're spinning your wheels. You're stuck in the mud. You can't get out. Call the Good Shepherd. He is watchful over his flock, and he will come and gently restore our souls. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until those trails become ruts. They'll graze on the same hills until those hills that were lush with foliage, become desert wastelands. They'll pollute their own ground with droppings until the ground itself is corrupt with diseases and parasites. Many of the world's finest sheep ranges have been ruined beyond repair by overgrazing, by poor management, and indifferent or ignorant sheep owners. Unfortunately, this is not one of the points where the analogy breaks down. This is us, right? Our good shepherd is seeking to lead us along good paths of righteousness. The right good path. But left to our own devices, we walk in one circle. And we bore a rut in this one circle. If you've ever talked to me on the phone and I've been on my cell phone, nine times out of ten, this is what I was doing when you talked to me. Eventually, over in the multipurpose room where I'm normally walking and talking, there's going to be a rut that forms in the carpet because I walk along the edges of that room while I'm talking to people and checking in on folks and, and all the various phone calls that I have to make. If I get on the phone, I'm going to put my AirPods in and I'm going to walk and I'm going to follow the same path. Sometimes we belong to the shepherd and we're walking our own path. And we walk our own path so often we don't realize what we're doing. We have blind spots all around us and we're so focused on just finding the next patch of grass, the next patch of grass, the next patch of grass that before we know it, we've turned what was a lush and beautiful range into a wasteland from overgrazing, from not following the shepherd. Sometimes we don't want to follow the shepherd because he may lead us somewhere that's uncomfortable. Sometimes we feel cast down, and so we don't follow the shepherd down the righteous pathway because we feel like he's leading us the wrong way. That's a hard path, and I know that there's grass here, but the shepherd is saying there may be grass here now, but we've got to rotate to another area, to another pasture, because if we don't, this one will no longer exist. And we don't want to follow him on the right path to get us to a different pasture. We don't want to follow him because it might be different. It might be uncomfortable. It might be hard. It might be strange to us. It might be out of my comfort zone. And boy, this one pasture is really nice. 
But we have to be willing to follow the good shepherd down paths that may not make any sense to us. Sheep have no idea about rotating fields and pastures. They have no concept of overgrazing. They don't know what it means. All they know is that grass was here and now grass is gone. There was food, there was water, now there's none. It is up to the shepherd to say, no, 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 if you don't move, you will die here. And sometimes that's where we get in our spiritual walk, is it not? I'm going to walk these same paths. I'm going to do these same things. I'm not going to look for God to do a new work in my life. And we become cast down in our own souls because why isn't God moving? I just don't understand. Well, it's because the good shepherd's over there saying, hey, come on this way. It's a good pasture. Come on this way. And we're going, I don't understand why God's not talking to me. This doesn't make sense. There was grass here two years ago, and now there's none. Because we stopped following the shepherd down the paths of righteousness and got stagnant in our own way. We are sheep, and we like to go astray. And if you don't believe me, I've got a lot of Scripture in the Bible that can back me up. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the whole Bible. So it's verse 176 of Psalm 119. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. Isaiah 53, 6. We all... We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I narrowed it down to these three verses, but I promise there were plenty more. There were plenty more that I could have pointed to. This is one of the most used analogies in the Bible. We are like sheep and we have gone astray. In Isaiah 53, it uses the word all so that we know it applies to everybody. And then there's an additional interjection in the middle of the sentence. Every one. We have turned every single one and gone our own way. And so because of that, the Lord, the good shepherd, has laid all the iniquity on our Jesus. The hard truth is that all of us often don't want to be led in the paths of righteousness. And you know what's funny? Even right now, as I say that, there's so many of us thinking, well, that is not me. I wish the pastor would get on past this part of the sermon because it does not apply to me because I am following the Lord in the paths of righteousness. There's some of us right now that might be thinking, ooh, I hope so-and-so's listening because I know they ain't in the paths of righteousness. It's a good thing I'm in the paths of righteousness, and I hope they're listening because they have wandered astray, and they need to be brought back in the fold. I just want to remind us, if that's me, if that's you, that's your way of going astray. If I'm thinking that, if you're thinking that, you and I have already missed the righteous path. Because we've deemed that we are good and we are righteous. And whoever they are, they're not. That's an ugly sin. 
We don't like to admit that it's an ugly sin. We like to talk about drinking and drugs and premarital intimacy and all of these things. Those are the horrible sins. But then we get together like a big group of Pharisees and we forget that the path that we count as righteous might not be the same path that the good shepherd is counting as righteous. We all, everyone, have gone astray in our own way. But there is hope. Just like Psalm 42, there is hope. And we will hope in God because every sheep that has gone astray is part of the shepherd's flock. And what does he say in Matthew 18? Matthew 18, verses 12 to 14. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. The beauty is, as he's trying to lead us in the path of righteousness, we all go astray, but he's the good shepherd. And even if everybody in this room was in the category of I haven't gone astray and there was only one of us that went astray, if it was just me that I had gone astray, he'd leave all of y'all and come find poor pitiful Nathan. And then when he came back, he'd throw a party because I was lost and now I'm found. If it was Shannon, he'd go get Shannon. If it was Ted, he'd go get Ted. If it was Chris, he'd go get Chris. If it was Matt, he'd go get Matt. It doesn't matter who it is. Every sheep has gone astray and he's willing to leave 99 where they are to find anyone that has gone astray and say, no, 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 no. Don't stay in this pasture. This pasture's wasting away if you stay here. Come, let's go back to the paths of righteousness. That's why there's hope. All of us are sinners. All of us wander off the path. But he seeks out even the one to find us and bring us back. The next phrase says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's important to note that in verse 4, the language changes. There's a difference in the use of the pronouns. Did you catch it? Look, look at it again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verses 1 through 3, David speaks of God in the third person. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. In the third person, he's telling us about the good shepherd. But now in verse 4, he has shifted his language because he has entered the valley of death. And now he is speaking directly to the shepherd. It's no more his rod and his staff they comfort me. Your rod, Lord, your staff, they comfort me because now I stand in the shadow of the mountain, in the valley of the shadow of death, and I will speak to you because I need you. It's an incredible thing that happens in the area of Palestine today. They take their sheep every summer up the mountain. As the snow melts, the sheep go up. And then the lush green uh, pastures that develop above the tree line is where they forage. And then as summer retreats and it's autumn, they come back down the mountain. 
And so they come down the mountain, they go through the valley, they return to their home. And then as summer approaches, they seek the cooler temperatures and the grass that's fresh and green on the top of the mountains and the plateaus and the hills. So they go through the valley and up the mountain pass in the summer to get to the top of the mountain. And then as the autumn comes, they go back down the mountain and through the valley. This cycle repeats yearly. This is how they lead their sheep to other pastures. These are the paths of righteousness. And you might think, why on earth would the shepherd lead them through the valley? It's it's a great question. But you know, as summer is approaching, and all that snow and all that ice on the mountain as it retreats and melts, all that water flows down the mountain and you get crisp, cool, precious springs of water that flow and streams that form in the valley. And that stream nourishes the ground, and the ground grows some of the most lush vegetation for the sheep to eat. Isn't it strange that even in the darkness, even in the depth of the valley, the shepherd provides some of the best nourishment for the sheep? It's also important to notice they don't stop in the valley. The prepositions in this phrase are also important. It's not just the pronouns. The preposition is not, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I reach it. I stop. That's where I die. That's where they bury me. It's over. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It is a season. We go through the valley to go up the mountain in the summer. We go through the valley to come back down out of it in the autumn. Every year. There's a season that these sheep go through the valley. And the valley is on purpose. And the valley is good for the sheep. Man, that's hard, isn't it? Because the valleys of life don't feel like they're good for us, the sheep, do they? But we have to remember, these are the paths of righteousness. That the good shepherd is leading us along. Gary Davis told me last week something that I I don't know that I'll ever forget. We walk through the shadow of death in the valley, right? For a shadow to be cast, what's necessary? Light. You can't have a shadow if light is not shining on you. And our Jesus is the light of the world, is he not? And so even in the valley of the shadow of death, our Savior is the light who is never far from us. As the shepherds drive their sheep during this time, they move slowly. They have to stay close to their sheep. That's why the sheep can see the rod and the staff and it's comforting because they have seen wild animals attack the flock and the shepherd beat them off with the rod and the staff. They've experienced the corrective power of the rod and staff when they get out of line and that crook hits their neck and they get jerked in the wrong direction back where they belong. You know, this same thing is true, right? Have you ever gone like into the woods with somebody that really knows what they're doing? And like they got a machete at their side and they got a gun on their on their holster. And and you're just like, you know what? I don't know that we're unsafe in these woods. But I tell you what, if there's a bear that shows up, we got something to do. We can we can stand on our own for a minute. At least that machete and that weapon, they make you feel a lot better. Right. That's what's happening with the sheep. They see the weapons of the shepherd and they make the sheep feel better. So a fun story that I'm going to try to tell very carefully. Um, there was a time when uh, we, we had recently purchased some radio communication for uh, people within our church that protect our flock, so to speak. And 
these new radios were great and helped a ton with efficiency for this particular team of people. And while I'm up here, I know who these people are. And a lot of times it brings me great comfort to see them sitting in our congregation very relaxed. Sometimes so relaxed, maybe they doze off. But that's comforting to me because I know there must not be any imminent danger if they can be that relaxed, right? Well, this one Sunday, it wasn't actually that long ago, we were preaching about Daniel, I think. And um, I was I was talking about Daniel and all of a sudden, all of these people carrying rods and staffs. I'm up here. I see everything that's going on. Y'all are out there looking this way. But while I'm looking, there's all sorts of good protectors and guardians jumping up. What's going on? What's going on? So I'm up here preaching about Daniel and I'm like, okay, here it is. All right. We're, I guess we're going to be on the news. I'm, I'm guess I'm target number one. I don't, I don't know who's coming. I don't know what's coming, but we're just going to. All right. Okay. It's a weird experience. All right. Like you're up here and you're preaching and then there's like this other thing going on in the back of your mind and you're watching all of the people who normally protect the church scramble across the back of the church and you're going, and so Daniel, um, and so Daniel, um, and then Daniel, uh, and then everybody calmed down. It only lasted a few seconds, but I promise you it felt like 4,000 years. And everybody settled down. They sat back down and it was all good. So I was putting up my microphone that, that after that service that day. And I looked at, at one of the chief of the folks and I said, what happened today? And he said, what do you mean? I said, everybody freaked out right in the middle of the service. It scared me to death. He said, oh, oh, somebody just like leaned over like this and it, it pressed on the microphone button, sent feedback all through all our ears. We couldn't figure out where it was coming from. So we all jumped up to go, who, 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 what's going on? Who's on their mic? What's that noise? No threat. Nothing whatsoever. So, I, you know, there we go. Sometimes you're up here and crazy things happen. Just there you go. But seeing the people in our congregation who help keep us safe, it's a comfort to me when they're relaxed. And it's, it's very unnerving when they are not. In the same way, the shepherd walks with the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. And the sheep are comforted because the shepherd seems calm. And he's got his rod and he's got his staff. He's ready, willing, and able to defend. And those weapons and that shepherd provide great comfort. And I want you to know that if you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, in your marriage, in your job, at school, wherever you may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, if you feel that you are getting sicker and sicker, and maybe your life is deteriorating and you feel like your best years are gone by, And you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If you feel like there's just no hope anymore because right when we were done with COVID, here comes Delta and now everything's starting to shut down again and we're not prepared like we were last time and I don't know what's going to happen. I want you to remember the shepherd is with us. But pastor, you just don't understand. My marriage is falling apart in front of my eyes. Fear no evil even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because even in those moments you have been brought there for your good and God's glory, there will be fresh water. There will be grass to eat. You will be provided for. Your shepherd will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And he will have his rod. And he will have his staff. And he will defend you from any and every adversary and every threat to your life. And you shall not want. And He will restore your 
soul. How can you be so confident? How can you know that he's going to be there with me? Because that's what he said. One of the last things he said before he went back to sit at the right hand of the Father. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. You're probably familiar with it. Behold, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even that's one of those incredible times where the I am said, I am. And he said, I am with you. For better, for worse, when you're rich, when you're poor, when you're healthy, when you're sick, I am with you. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus says, I am with you. Church, I don't know where you are this morning, but if you happen to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, look to the good shepherd and trust in him. Be comforted by his presence. And know that He is working all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. And the shadow of death will not overcome you. He didn't lead you to the valley of the shadow of death. He is leading you through the valley of the shadow of death. Let's pray. Father in heaven, You are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we love you. You are the good shepherd. Thank you for comforting us, for restoring our souls, for leading us on paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, Lord, that even though sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have no need to fear evil because you are with us, because your rod and your staff, they comfort us. This morning, Lord, would you encourage anyone and everyone who is listening to the sound of my voice and walking through whatever valley of death that they are walking through. No matter what is happening in their lives, Lord, I pray that you find them like a helpless, bleeding, cast sheep and that you restore their soul. God, would you give them the comfort and the strength that they need not to be stopped by the valley of the shadow of death, but to traverse through the valley. Lord, would you lead us to the mountaintops or lead us back home? Whatever you deem best, we will trust. It's hard for us, Lord. We all go astray. But with all our hearts, Lord, we want to trust and follow you down the paths of righteousness. Lead us on, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.